Welcome back down in the office now. Actually, I'm at a train station, as you can see. Uh, no, actually, I'm at the office in my house. And uh, last Sunday, March 22nd, was our first uh, message effort uh, on online. And uh, as the gathered church was not able to gather, I'm so grateful, by the way, for the um, the ability that so many of our young adults have in putting out a forum like this, a message uh, where we can share God's word. There's too many individuals to name, but suffice it to say that the lion's share of this work has been done by the members of our IT committee and social media committee. So uh, many thanks to them for making this possible. Last week, if you'll remember, I shared about the joyful hope of a home in heaven. And today I want to continue that theme of joy from the Word of God and share a very well-known and much-beloved passage of Scripture. If you take your Bible, even right now, uh, pause this if you need to go find your Bible, and then turn it back on and turn to Philippians chapter 4. You know the passage almost certainly. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, a message that I've titled, The Great Physician's Prescription for joy. We're hearing a lot about medicine um, during the coronavirus uh, pandemic, and let's see what the great physician, the Lord Jesus, by his Spirit, has to say about joy from Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Today, the great physician's prescription for joy, a bit distant to my love for theology, the second greatest love that I have as far as uh, disciplines and study is medicine. I love medicine always have. And the Lord Jesus is called the great physician, and he has a prescription for joy for his people. By his Spirit, he has a word for us on biblical joy. Last week, we learned more about the meaning of joy. Today, it's more on the accessing of joy or the receiving, the experiencing of it. As a reminder, you'll remember that biblical joy is that deep sense of well-being which floods the soul of the one who is wholly yielded to the Lord, who is fully dependent on God. It's the settled assurance that he loves me and that his plan for me, for you, is best. He is too good to make a mistake. He is too wise to ever uh, be unkind. Let me turn that around. He's too wise to ever make a mistake. He's too good to ever be unkind. So whatever I'm facing, whatever you're facing, 
You can have the inner peace deep in your soul, that abiding joy that he provides. And so it may not be a catastrophic situation you face. It might be the dripping faucet of a a petty annoyance. Either way, uh, I want us to consider some principles, in fact, three principles from this passage about how to have victory in the battles of life by laying hold of the great physician's prescription for joy. Now, this text, Philippians 4, is loaded with commands, with imperatives, which believers are called. In fact, believers are commanded to trust and obey. Trusting, obeying, in action. I'm to actually do things here in order for this joy to fill my, uh, my, my soul. And so, this passage is to be operational in my life, in your lives, so that the joy of the Lord will be experienced by you and then expressed as you live out your days as salt and light in this world. The first thing I want to consider, point A, if you're taking notes, is the exhortation. And what is that exhortation? It's found in verse 4, and it's to pursue spiritual rejoicing. The command is very clear. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So we're given a command here that we are to pursue rejoicing, and it's in the spiritual realm. Scripture seems to define real strength as experiencing the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 talks about that. Paul used that term, joy, 26 times in his writings, and eight of those times, the word joy or rejoicing or rejoice, eight of those times are found right here in the book of Philippians. So nearly one-third of the times in all of Paul's writings in the New Testament, nearly one-third he uses that word here in Philippians. And so the command to pursue spiritual rejoicing wasn't just theory for Paul. He knew much about wrenching anguish of his soul. This church, Philippi, was founded in Acts chapter 16 by Paul and Silas. And you'll remember that they were in a dark, uh, damp, uh, depressing prison in chains, certainly with little food, with no companionship other than themselves, with no help, no hope, um, and very difficult circumstances. Paul only wanted to bring a message of life, and he was being persecuted near to death. And yet in the midst of that, he said, rejoice. Years later, when under house arrest in Rome, he wrote the words to this book, um, Philippians, uh, and he spoke about joy, rejoicing. No matter what your circumstances are, if you are housebound, like so many of us are, in fact, most of us are, due to uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus, Even in that circumstance, you're to rejoice. Whatever you're facing, uh, the joy of the Lord is to flood your soul. And folks, the joy of the Lord is not being giddy. It's not being silly about things when tragedies happen. It means that God is flooding your soul with his comforting presence, with his peace, 
as you cry out to him. And so spiritual rejoicing takes place in your uh, heart. When your heart is broken, when your health is battered, it's not denying the reality of those things. It's simply turning to the Lord who alone can bring joy into your heart. And so you're commanded to pursue that. It doesn't mean putting on a happy face. It's recognizing, and here's what it is. It's recognizing that you cannot uh, know what tomorrow brings, but you can know the one who will bring that. You can know the one and rest in him with the settled assurance that in spite of a storm, his anchor holds. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to forsake you if you know and love and follow the Lord Jesus. Now notice again in verse 4, this word, the particular grammar for rejoice, it says rejoice in the Lord within the sphere of the Lord. It speaks of location. Our spiritual rejoicing has the Lord Jesus as the source and the object. And so spiritual joy, not having to do with life circumstances, but has to do with where we're located. That is within Christ. We are in Christ. If you know him, if you're saved, you are in him. Now, that's very easy for me to say. It's easy to preach that, but it's not nearly as easy um, to experience it because the fleshly temptation is going to be toward fretting, toward anger, toward complaining. Uh, in fact, even this evening, I'll be the first to confess before recording uh, this message, I was having all kinds of difficulty with the technology of doing this. Um, folks, I never even sat down at a computer for the first time until I was in graduate school. And so I've been in a learning curve uh, my entire adult life when it comes to technology. And yet I was convicted when I was anxious and and complaining about it and how that, that ought not be the case. That's the flesh, fleshly temptation, but that ought not be what goes on. I like what John MacArthur wrote. He says, joy is a gift from God. And as such, believers are not to manufacture it, but to delight in the blessing they already possess. If you are a child of God, if you've received Christ, you already are in the sphere of that blessing as long as you are abiding in him moment by moment. It, it is not rejoice in the Lord by the ability that you have to think happy thoughts. It's not rejoice in the Lord um, because uh, the power of positive thinking or something along that line. It's rejoice because you are found in Christ. You know him. He knows you. And so to deepen this command, as if that wasn't enough, it says our rejoicing is to be always. And then it repeats it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Repetition is the key. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 commands the child of God, rejoice evermore. I know the spiritual blessing of resting in the joy of the Lord, and I know the spiritual poverty of resisting it. So 
Forget about what your circumstances are. You can't bring up anything that the Lord's grace is not sufficient to carry you uh, above those circumstances and let you experience his joy. So the exhortation is to pursue spiritual rejoicing. And then secondly, we see in verses 5, 6, and 7, a second command. And it's the application uh, where to apply this, and it's practice emotional relaxing. Practice emotional relaxing. It, it in essence, says that in verses 5, 6, and 7. That's how we actually realize rejoicing even when we don't feel like it. You see, God has created us as emotional beings. We're all emotional. Some folks express it by spilling it out all over on others. Others express it by stuffing or turning it inward. But as his children, we're called to have our emotions, our mind, will, our emotions, our motivations. We're called to have that spirit Control. We're not to be ruled by our emotions. Um, notice it says, first, believers are to let their moderation, there in verse 5, be known unto all men. This action um, is to be directed toward everyone. In other words, the word moderation, your gentleness or your reasonableness, let that be known to everyone, even though the circumstances are difficult, those who are around you ought not detect that you are perturbed, that you're upset with your circumstances, but they ought to be able to detect the abiding presence of Christ, the joy of the Lord. It's the opposite of being quarrelsome. It's the opposite of being contentious. No, let your gentleness be known to all men. It's an imperative, and it's in the passive voice. That is, it's a command to live in such a way that others will see your joy. Let others, the command is, let others see your self-control, your gentleness, your reasonableness, even in the face of difficulties. A spirit-controlled believer is not one who has road rage. Uh, or if he did, does, he doesn't justify it. Well, that guy cut me off. Or I had a right to that space or something of, of the like, of, of the nature of that. No, he does not justify it. And so, folks, if you are in Christ, relax. Don't sweat the small stuff. And when you think about it, your sins have been forgiven. You're a child of God. You're headed for heaven. It's all small stuff on, on this earth. It's all relatively insignificant. Uh, in fact, uh, Scripture talks about the sufferings as a, a mild thing compared to what we will receive in the Lord. Now, notice the motivation for not fretting is because of the nearness of the Lord's return. Notice it says, let your gentleness be made known unto everyone because the Lord is at hand. He's going to return uh, very soon, and we're to be ready, walking in the Spirit. Therefore, we're not to be anxious about anything, like what Warren Wiersbe uh, wrote about this. He said, worry or anxiety is wrong thinking and wrong feelings about circumstances, 
people or things. Fretting about it. And folks, fretting, wringing your hands, um, being upset and living that way is the greatest thief of joy. Now, why is that? Because it's basically saying, I, I'm going to go ahead and live this way. I'm going to be independent from the Lord instead of dependent on him. I'm not going to uh, regard this text uh, uh, passage. I'm going to disregard it, and I'm going to stew in my bitterness or my anger or, or whatever uh, emotion, a negative emotion that you're experiencing instead of turning it over to him. Notice, we are told not to be anxious at the beginning of verse 6. Do not be anxious. Now, how can I, how can I actually experience this? You say, preacher, that's, that's good. You can, you can preach on that, and, and that's all good theory and all, but how do I actually experience what verse 7 says, the peace of God which passes all understanding? How do I actually experience that? Well, the way you do is by having absolute abandonment to Christ expressed through prayer. Notice what it says here. It doesn't just say, don't be anxious for anything and just kind of talk yourself into it. No, but in everything, in every situation, wherever you are, if you're experiencing a difficulty with another person, with, uh, with your health, with your finances, with the uh, being um, homebound because of the coronavirus, whatever it is, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, tell God, let him know, cast it on him. In fact, that's what 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. It's the principle of Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Thou, God, you will keep those in perfect peace whose hearts and minds are stayed on you because they trust in you. It's a prayer to the Lord. And folks, this principle is either true or it's not. If it's not true, if the grace of God is not sufficient for any trial that you face, if the joy of the Lord cannot be your strength, then let's stop preaching it. Let's stop believing it. Uh, but if it is true, then by his grace and for his glory, let's practice it. Practice emotional um, rejoicing and, and relaxing so we can just let go of those things which cause anger and anxiety. And again, how do you do it? By prayer, that is, focusing on our access to God, by supplication, uh, focuses on our asking of God, by thanksgiving, focuses on our, our adoration of God. And so it's wholly turning my attention to the Lord, the things of God in his word. Well, what happens when I do that? Well, notice at the end of verse seven, if I'll do that, then it will guard or keep my heart and my mind through Christ. Folks, prayer, this kind of prayer produces peace. This kind of trust triggers tranquility. This kind of de dependence on the Lord determines whether I'm going to delight or whether I'm going to despair in my circumstances. 
Thirdly, we see in verses 8 and 9, the prevention. Let's just say you have victory in what has been shared up to this point, but then you're tempted again later today or tomorrow. How can I have the prevention uh, in my life that verses 8 and 9 tell me? Well, I'm to prioritize mental renewing. That is, moment by moment, day by day, I have to renew my mind from the Word of God. That's what verse, verses 8 and 9 say. It says, those things that are true and honest and, and just and pure and lovely and uh, of good report and virtuous, I'm to think on these things. And as I do, then my heart mind will be guarded by the Lord. And so, folks, Scripture, memorization, Scripture, meditation, it doesn't just happen. It has to be intentional. And what, uh, what better time than when uh, maybe we have some extra hours in the week by virtue of having the ordinance where we are to stay at home and we're to uh, hunker down, as it were. What, uh, what better time than to have regular family devotion and private memorization and meditation in the Word of God? And so right thinking helps me stay healthy during the good times and it prepares me uh, before the stress hits my life. I don't want to wait until there's some kind of catastrophic issue before I get ready. No, I want to be prepared ahead of times. Renewing my mind, according to Romans 12 and verse 2. Now notice, focus on these qualities. That which is true, well, Satan's the father of lies, and so the best way to defeat him is with the truth. Focus on that which is honest, also rendered grave. That is, there's a seriousness to following the Lord. And, and I need to have that as a concentration. Focus on that which is just. Well, that's the same word as righteous. It's on that which is godly things and godly thoughts. On that which is pure, that is free from defilement. On that which is lovely, that is, it's pleasant, it's agreeable, uh, it's winsome, it's the spirit of Jesus, meek and mild and gentle and, and humble. And of good report, that is, it's that, <clears throat> that which edifies. And the Apostle Paul said in verse 9 that I'm to do this, and if I'll have these qualities in my life, then the peace of God will guard me and the God of peace will guide me. Let me say that again. The peace of God will guard me and the God of peace will will guide me, as verse 9 tells us. You'll be filled with joy no matter what the circumstances are. Others will know it. God will be glorified. You will be blessed, and you will have an open door to evangelize, uh, arguably, like never before. The great physician's prescription for joy, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. God bless you this week as you apply the Word of God to your hearts, minds, and lives. Lord, I'm so thankful.